Amen. Okay, so uh, remember Thursday night was a big night, a lot of candy, a lot of trick-or-treating, a lot of fun times. But let's not forget as the church that that was all hallows even, okay? We pray in the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name, right? Holy be God's name. So hallow is holy. So something holy went on this week. And this was the even or the evening before that holy thing took place. And that was Friday was All Saints Day. So we just contracted that and say it's All Hallows Even or Halloween. That's where we get it from. And so we have this as one of the major festivals of the church. uh, Four major days on which it's proper to do baptisms. That's why you just saw a baptism. So saints in the church... um, I remember being 27 years old, and um, I was at St. Helena's, fresh out of seminary, and we had this sweet elderly woman who kept, uh, who was part of the office guild, and I remember preaching one of my first sermons, and I just said, you know, we are, are not able to win our way to God, we can't earn our salvation, and I am the chief of all sinners, using a phrase from St. Paul. She, after the service, pulled me aside and said, honey child. Don't you ever call yourself a sinner again, for in my eyes you are a saint of God. Now, that was sweet, wasn't it, you know, but it wasn't biblical, and what she was thinking was, you are pure, you're holy, you're a great guy. That's not what saint means. So I want to ask you today on All Saints Sunday, would you call yourself a saint? And then what would be that definition? What makes you a saint? So let's look at that together. Um, We're going to be in chapter 7 of Revelation, uh, chapter 7, verses 9 to 17, if you have your Bibles. And um, what we get there is John, the writer of Revelation, remember it's Revelation, not an S on the end, not Revelations. Uh, John has the the heavenly host in his mind. The, The windows of heaven are pulled back. And he sees what worship looks like for the saints and what worship will look like for us as saints uh, one day. So chapter 7, verses 9 to 17. Um, It's uh, a powerful vision that he has. And uh, we just made two more saints. Uh, They began their their journey with Christ towards sainthood, towards heaven. And one day, they will stand before the bishop and receive their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and pronounce that fate to the congregation. Uh, So let's look at what our sainthood looks like. This is an end-time picture of saints in heaven, verses 9 and 10. After this, John says, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and languages, they were standing before the throne and before the Lamb, who is Jesus. And they're clothed in white robes, and with palm branches in their hands. And they're crying out with a loud voice. They're, they're singing praises with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The saints are singing to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So point number one, unlike my parishioner at St. Helena's, saints are not uh, amazingly pure, virtuous, moral, on their own account, they're not that way. Listen, 
They're not this small little group of esoteric people who've lived incredibly holy lives. What does John say? Look, there is a multitude up there. There are a lot of sinners that are being saved. They're from every tribe and every tongue and every nation across the world. And they're dressed in white. You know, the church, acolytes, they're dressed in white. and I'm dressed in white. The choir's dressed in white. Uh, we don't wear these white robes to symbolize the fact that we're pious or pure or holy or virtuous or moral. We wear these robes because Jesus Christ is our righteousness. And so the first thing that saints need to realize is that that doesn't mean you're pure or holy except for by the blood of the Lamb, except for Jesus Christ's righteousness. So saints are saved by grace through faith. Um, And so that's the first definition of saints. What do saints do? Now we, we see today in this picture of heaven that saints worship. They worship the Lamb on the throne. They join together with all creation, worshiping Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Look at verse 9. Now standing before the throne and before the Lamb, these saints are clothed in white robes, the purity of Christ, with palm branches in their hands, and they're crying out with a loud voice. Salvation, they're singing the song. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. With palm branches waving in their hands. Does that remind you of Palm Sunday? It should. Because Jesus, the triumphal king, comes into Jerusalem to die for our sins and to be resurrected and raised to the glory in in his resurrected body. So they're waving these palm branches because Jesus is on the throne. The lamb is seated on the throne. He is the king. He's seated on the throne. Are you filled with that kind of worship on a Sunday morning? I mean, does it captivate your heart and your mind and your soul? Are you singing to King Jesus every morning, or is it a dull thing? I mean, the second definition of saints is people who who worship organically and from the heart and from their souls. They don't say, well, do I have to go to church this, this Sunday? They want to come and praise the Lord and sing his praises and exalt his name, for he is King of kings and Lord of lords. So saints are dressed in a white robe of righteousness of Christ. They are people who naturally and organically want to sing the praises of Jesus. In a few minutes, we'll take communion together, and we'll say with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven that John saw, we celebrate before the Lord communion. Look at verse 11. And with all the angels standing round the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, They fell prostrate on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power be to our God who sits on the throne forever and ever. Amen. You get that that rush of worship there, the rush of worship, the saints bowing down and praising the Lord with their souls and their bodies and their hearts. So, Point number three, how are saints made? I said that saints are not these super pious people that we normally think of when we think of saints. So how are they made? Look at verse 13. Then one of the elders addressed me, that's John. So he's looking into heaven, he's talking with this elder. And he asked John, who are these clothed in white? Who are these saints? And from where do they come? And John said to him, sir, only you know. And the elder said back to John, 
These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation, and they've washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. What is the great tribulation? It's this life, right? I know there, there are many things that are beautiful. There are many blessings, friendship and love and honor and, and children and grandchildren and godchildren. And we just baptized two blessings of this life uh, in the Tucker family. But by and large, this is a place of great tribulation too, isn't it? So it's this life, the great tribulation. And these saints have chosen to stick, stick closely to Christ to wash their robes white in the blood of the Lamb Jesus so that they can endure through the tribulation and be accepted into heaven. Remember Mother Emmanuel Church a few years ago? That's part of the darkness of this world we live in. Remember it wasn't long after that. This is just in my four years here that there was an assailant who stormed into the Tree of Life synagogue and murdered 11 people, 11 Jewish people who were worshiping. This is a place of tribulation. How do we make it through the tribulation? Jesus says, you've got to wash your robes white in the blood of the Lamb. Hang tightly to me. The salvation of those saints rested not in their strength, not in their goodness, not in their purity, but in Jesus Christ and him alone. That's how saints are made. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says this, For it is by grace that you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, lest any, not by works, lest any man should boast. So saints, they are saved by grace through faith, and that allows us to have blessed assurance. And so when we go into heaven, we cannot go timidly wondering if we've done enough good works, if we are good enough saints to be in there, we can strut into heaven. And as I've said before, I really hope my wife is there to see that. Because Jesus Christ is going to say, welcome to heaven, Trip Jeffords. You are the perfect one. And she's going to look at him like he's got a third eye. What are you saying? I know him too well. I know him so well. Let me tell you a thing or two about Trip Jeffords. And Jesus is going to say, no, he is the perfect one. Remember 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to become sin, to soak in everything that is vile and unlovely about me, Trip Jeffords. He knew no sin, but he took my sin upon him so that I might become the righteousness of God. That's why we wear white. That's why we can say we're saints. Not because of our good works or bad works, but because he's given us his righteousness. And we can, with confidence as saints, Go before the throne and go into heaven and worship him. So those are saints. How are they sustained through this time of tribulation? Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33, In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Here's where your peace comes from. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. So Christian saints always look at Jesus as the great victorious one at the end of time. The one in, in John's revelation who is even now making all things new, Jesus says. Here's the picture. Look at John, verse 15. Therefore, the saints are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. In this world you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. Verse 16. These saints will hunger no more on that day, 
Neither will they thirst anymore. I'm making all things new. The sun shall not strike the saints nor any scorching heat. Why? For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He's going to guide them to springs of living water. And God's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes that was caused by the pain and the tribulation of this world. He'll wipe away all of our tears, make all things new. That's the promise for the saints. They're worshiping on the throne. Verse 15, they're protected and sheltered by the presence of God himself. They draw near to Jesus because they want to be washed in his righteous robes. And in the end, he is victorious. And the saints will be led to living waters where they'll never have parched throats again. No scorching heat can come upon them. And he will wipe away the tears from this tribulation, this life. So here's the deal. I'll end with this. Those two children, the Tucker children that we baptized today, we need to teach them as a congregation, their parents, their godparents, and their grandparents, that they are not saved by anything other than Jesus Christ, that they have washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb, and that they can with great confidence live out their Christian life knowing that Jesus is their protector, he is their shelter, he is the beginning and the end, and at the last day he's going to welcome them into heaven. So teach them the sheltering presence of Jesus. Teach them that he is there to protect them, to guide them into springs of living water, and that one day they'll be able to go with confidence into heaven, washed and waiting on the Lamb. You know, all this life is a dress rehearsal for heaven, isn't it? It's a learning to be saints in this world, and, and we begin to teach these children how to live into Christ and to, to trust his grace and to live into his mercy. And whenever we fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord, may those children be children who know that gospel message. C.S. Lewis put in the Narnia Chronicles those wonderful books that he wrote uh, about the gospel and the end times and Christ himself coming to die and, and be raised again. He said all of their life in this world and all of their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter number one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, and in which every chapter is better than the one before. As these saints are grown up into the, the mercy and love of Jesus Christ, may every chapter of their life be better than the one before as they've begun this journey of the great story that is completed and made perfect in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for... Uh, the Tucker family, for their children, for their baptism today, help us to remember our baptism, to remember what it means to be saints on the journey towards heaven, to always look at this life as, as one chapter being better than the last, and as we grow into the heavenly company of those saints in heaven. So let us worship with our hearts and souls and minds today, and uh, may we be able to call ourselves saints, not by our virtue or by our merit or anything we've done, but by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, that washes us clean. We thank you, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.